happy Labor Day weekend. The last unofficial weekend of summer. But man, hasn't 2020 been an unusual year to say the least? Hasn't it, hasn't it, hasn't it been just remarkable? Uh, if that's the right word. But God has still blessed us. You know, and I look back through the years, you know, to me, once you get past Labor Day, we're on that, we're on that downhill slope for the year. But you know what? I, I see that it's been difficult at times. It's having seasons that have been, certainly been trying. Some of them are still going on. But, but you know what? I look back at this year and, uh, I, I, I jokingly every once in a while I'll tell Sarah, I'll say it's the summer that never was. That's what we're going to call 2020. There's already books out about the year 2020. People have written. I thought, why did they write them so early? It's not even over with yet. Who knows, you know, the way it's been going. Uh, you know, I, I was mowing out at my dad's this week, and I, I, I got in a patch of, of killer yellow jackets, you know, murdering yellow jackets. You know? <laughs> but uh, some of y'all get that later. But but anyway, what I'm saying to you is this, but I look back on this year that's as much of it has already passed now, close to... Um, close to uh, three-fourths of this year that has already elapsed before our eyes. And I look back among the hardships and the trials and I say, God, you've taught us something. You've learned us. You've learned. We've learned some things. You've taught us some things. And I thank God for that. And so as we're here on this Labor Day weekend, and I'll be honest with you, I'm very amazed at the attendance because I thought, well, there's probably going to be, probably going to be just, just a very bare attendance because of so many people getting in that last vacation. And uh, but thank God you're here and you have made uh, made me very happy just to get to look out and see your smiling face. So, thank you for being here. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn, turn in them to the book of Ezra, the very first chapter. Uh, Ezra, you don't hear a whole lot of preaching out of Ezra. Uh, you, you know, but I don't know, the Lord began to stir my heart a couple weeks ago towards the book of Ezra, and as I begin studying it, and I'll challenge you to do so. I think Ezra's, I think, around 10 chapters, 10 or maybe 11 chapters. I want you to, to take time to study, not just read, but study the book of Ezra. And you can see there is a, there is a very uh, distinct uh, correlation, if you would, or comparison to the present day that we are living in. And a lot of the things that are going on around us. And I, I would love, to, I'd love to have read you the whole, uh, the whole book of Ezra, but time won't allow that. So, but if you will go to chapter one, verse number one, the scripture I'm reading from the New International Wording said, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, I want you to pay attention to that. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, let me tell you something. Sarah and I was talking about it this morning. There's a lot of people, a lot of times, say, well, God said this. Or God directed me in this way. Or God said... Let me tell you something. If it's truly a God-said situation, it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. Because God bears up no false prophets. God has spoke through Jeremiah. The word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, pay attention. King of Persia. That means this wasn't, this wasn't a king that was, uh, evangelistic at heart. 
This wasn't a king that was, uh, he wasn't pursuant of, of revival and renewal necessarily. But God moved in the heart of the king. Do you realize God still does that? Do you realize right now God has still is in the business of raising kings up and bringing kings down? Okay? And I'm not going to delve over on the political end of things and get into it. I had a friend of mine that did that over the last few weeks and they removed him and his church off of social media. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I'll err on the side of caution a little bit because it's important that we continue to get the word of God out. But, but the, the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Not in Persia, but at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem and may their God. Notice he didn't say my God. He said, may their God be with them and any Locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings. For, for, I'm missing a word there. For, where am I at? And then the families, I'll, I'll pick up verse 5. Then the families, heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites. Listen to this, and I highlighted these words. Everyone whose heart God had moved. I want you to notice that. Everyone whose heart God had moved prepared, that's who prepared to go up to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. I want to preach to you this morning uh, a message that I've called or entitled uh, Forsaking Darkness. I want to give you just a little bit of church history. I don't want to, I don't want to bore you this morning. But, but when we look at this circumstance that we've read to you and the, the account of this morning, it's about 597 years before Christ. And in this, around 597 years before Christ, there was 700, there were 75,000 Jews that were taken into exile into Babylon. Okay? So 500, actually 597 BC was well before the reading I made to you tonight or this morning, but 75,000 Jews were taken into captivity. Now, the curse that we're reading to you from in scripture is 70 years later. Okay? Uh, according to, uh, according to education, a, a generation is typically considered to be 40 years. So nearly Ten years short of two generations, God is beginning to move and the word of the prophet Jeremiah is is, is set and staged to bring Jeru- the, the Jews back in to Jerusalem for the temple to be reconstructed. So we find as we read Ezra, as we study it, you will find that there were two different waves. 
The first wave of Jews returning, which is what we're reading about this morning, are the Jews that returned home under Zerubbabel. There was 50,000. 50,000. Now, this was 70 years later. So that tells me that in 70 years, out of the 70,000 that originally went over, I doubt very seriously that 50,000 of those Jews were still alive. Are you following me? So in other words, the Jews continue to be married and to, to have children and have offspring and, 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 and Almost two complete generations of Jews have arisen in Babylon during this 70 years. Are you still with me? The second wave will be 80 years after the scripture that we've read this morning. In 80 years later, we will see the second wave of Jews come back to Judah under uh, the direction of Ezra. 2,000 of them. But here's what I want you to gather with me this morning is during the exile in Babylon, that 70 years of being there and two generations passing, but also two generations being birthed. Here's what happened in Babylon. There's an old saying that says home is where the heart is. Understanding that there's some of you here this morning that were, was not born in Mercer County, West Virginia. Some, there's some of you in this room this morning, and definitely somebody watching my Facebook Live. I have a, a, a friend that I went to school with her. Her name was Paula Flanagan in school, and I was picking at her a little bit this morning as she was watching our drive time video. Paula, Paula lives in, I believe, Atlanta, Georgia. She's been there lots and lots of years. I haven't seen her since the day we graduated high school. But let me tell you, she uh, she may have grew up in Withville, Virginia. She may, Her mother taught school in Withville, and she was raised in Withville. But I can promise you that now Paula is a Georgian. She is an, a citizen of, or it considers herself part of Atlanta. Sarah has a brother that has lived in Charlotte for many, many years now. This uh, Draper, Virginia is no longer Casey's home. Charlotte is his home. Uh, some of you all may have come from somewhere else originally. You may have grew up uh, in Ohio. You may grew up over in Virginia. You may grew up in another county in West Virginia. But you've been around here so long now that this place is considered your home. This is what you think of as home. Understand that these Jews that were there in 70 years in Babylon, it had become home to them. Are you with me? We are creatures of adaptation, if you would. We adapt to our circumstances. It's, there's an old, uh, there's an old story, and mind you, I never have tried it. It sounds sort of cruel that you can put a frog in a pan of water, and if you just turn up the heat real slow, you can boil that frog to death, and it will never try to jump out of the pan because it's slowly getting adjusted to the climate of the water that it's in. Have you ever been out? And you know, listen, we didn't, when I was growing up, we didn't have iPads. We didn't have cable TV and satellite. But what I had was a Bowie knife and I had a hatchet and I had uh, a, a daisy air rifle and I played in the woods all the time. 
Okay? And my mom would always caution me to be home before it got too dark. But sometimes it would be past dark by the time that I got home. Dark 30 would already be past. And I would get fussed at a little bit. And, 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 and my mom was rightfully so because she cared about her, her best child, her baby boy. And, 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 but, but you know what? I didn't even realize it was dark because I would be out in the woods, uh, myself and usually some other kids around in the neighborhood. And we didn't even realize that it got totally dark. You know why? It's because it got dark slowly and our eyes adapted to the darkness that was overshadowing the woods. And it was dark before we even actually realized it. And therefore we would get in trouble. So, When you think about this whole circumstance with these Jews that are in Babylon, what they happened to them is they got used to the dark. They had gotten used to the dark. But let me tell you something. Even when we get used to the dark, even when circumstances cause us to get acclimated to 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 where we're at and and, and to just become part of it, and you know, I, I'm not suggesting that we go back to these days, but but I remember those days that when when you specific, you know, you know, even over in Bland County right now, there's are, are there Amish people in Bland County? Is that what's on Route 42? They're Amish, and and you know, they, you can sort of identify that because of their attire. The way they dress, the way they cut their hair, make beautiful furniture, by the way, if you ever down Route 42, stop in there, have good food, good sandwiches, you know, and I don't ever pass up good food. But, but even, even the evangelical Christians, especially holiness Christians, you know, they sort of had a look about them. You know, you, you could tell them from a mile off, they had, all of them carried PhDs. Pentecostal hairdos. You know, they get, they would get shouting and dancing in the Holy Ghost and the bobby pins would fly everywhere. And that doesn't necessarily make them more spiritual than somebody else. But there was, if you would, sort of a trademark that you could look and you knew. And, and, but slowly, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing and I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing either. Slowly we become adapted to the surroundings and, and we begin to wear our hairstyles and we begin to wear clothing and we begin, uh, and that doesn't get Give away to uh, to the lack of modest apparel, mind you. But but the church began to move into everything the world. You, you know, even right now, you know, the, the the buildings have changed. The buildings are more contemporary than they used to be. The insides of the buildings are more contemporary because we the church realized it was losing market share, if you would. So we tried to 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 accommodate, or we tried to relate, if you would, to the circumstances around us. I can promise you these. These Jews had picked up a whole bunch of Babylonian culture while they were there. It is the only life that some of these Jews had ever known. It's the only life they'd ever known. But God begins to call them back home. The, the, the Spirit of God is at work because it was the Spirit of God that spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. And it was the Spirit of God that began to turn the head of Cyrus the king. And it was the Spirit of God that began to move and open doorways for the church to begin to return home. And I believe in this year 2020 amidst the COVID, amidst the political unrest, amidst all 
all of the other catastrophes that have gone on this year, I want to tell you what, I believe that God, I don't claim to be a prophet, and I'm not saying you this, that telling you that this is a prophetic word necessarily from God, but in my opinion and my observation, I believe God is doing something this year to turn the head, to open the doors, that His people can go back home, if you would, and God begin to bring renewal and revival into His church. So there were generations removed. They had, there, there may have been some of the really senior citizens. You know, the ones that were on AARP. The ones that got this discounted coffee at McDonald's. The, 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 you know, all of the, the ones that had the lifetime fishing license and all. There were some of those Jews that were still hanging around possibly after 70 years, but even their memories of Jerusalem and Judah had become very jaded, if you would. They, they, they probably at the best, all they did was sit around at Christmas and Thanksgiving and at the family reunion and most often at the funeral home, you know, because when somebody passes away, that's when somebody gathers and they begin to pull out the pictures and look at them. And they begin to share the memories of their past life. They begin to share, if you would, their life as it was in Jerusalem of Judah. And, and, and they're, they're, listen. Here, here's what I want to leave you. I want, well, not just leave you with this, but I want to want to leave you with this. Their experience had become replaced by their stories. Y'all, either I got off a quiet or y'all did one. Their experience had got replaced by their stories, by their memories, if you would. You understand that happens to us as believers. Yeah, how many of you all, when you, how many of you all long time church folks, long time Holy Ghost filled Christians, how many times do you all find yourself, if you pay attention, get you a notepad, put it, or put it in your cell phone, and mark it down how many times you say, you use the phrase, we used to. (laughs) We used to have, I've heard this, we used to run ten buses at Voice of Praise. Hello? The Holy Ghost used to move on me and I used to dance in the Spirit all over the church. I used to go to church every time the doors were open. Back then it was three or four times a week. I used to, uh, just fill in the blank. I used to, I used to, I used to. And that doesn't mean that, that, that everything was good again or that everything's bad. But when, when, when our experience is replaced by our memories, then we find out, find ourselves being in Babylonian exile, if you would. And, and we're a generation that is li- living and existing removed from what God has for us to live and exist in. Are you with me? There's some of these Babylonian Jews, if you want to call them that. They never ever seen the temple. They didn't, they didn't have a clue what the temple was. They didn't have photography. They didn't have social media. They they they, they, may, they may have had some some primitive drawings of the temple, but but in reality, they're, they're the only the, the younger generation, the only thing they had heard were stories and memories of the temple. 
They had never experienced the temple themselves. Could we have a generation before us right now that 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 has only heard our memories, that has only heard uh, uh, our recollection, that has only heard our used to be or our used to stories? Could we possibly have a generation before us right now that has never experienced the presence, and that's what the temple represents, that has never experienced the presence of God in the fullness of His glory? You see, those those younger Babylonian Jews, if you want to call them that again, they had never really known the temple, but they were about to go back and rebuild the temple. Renewal and revival is about to come. You see, the great reformation that maybe perhaps you've heard about was driven by Martin Luther, uh, it ended in 1648, nearly 200 years ago. The great reformation came, considered came to an end. The Susan Street Revival, which we're here today because of, of that revival and, and uh, the birth of Pentecostalism. It began in the early 1900s and it's considered its ending period somewhere around 1915. Do you realize that, that that's, uh, that's over a hundred years ago that that, that that outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened? A hundred years ago? Do you realize that none of you were there? Because there's nobody in this room except maybe Rick Black that's a hundred years old. Do you realize you weren't there? I weren't, all, all we've done is read about the stories about Seymour. We've read stories about Finney. Uh, do you realize we never really experienced that? All we experienced was maybe the runoff of it. And then the, the Jesus movement occurred in the, in the seventies. The Jesus movement happened. And, and listen, quite honestly, uh, even even as I stand before you, I mean, in the 70s, I mean, uh, the, 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 the Jesus movement actually is considered ending somewhere around 1971. And I want to tell you, in 1971, you can figure out the math, go ahead. I was 11 years old, soon to be 12 in 1971. I did not have a driver's license. I was still playing in the woods with my bowie knife and my hatchet and my daisy air rifle. And I was cutting down trees and building forts. And I didn't know a whole lot about the Jesus movement. Because I just went to the Assemblies of God Church and a little bit. And, and I just experienced, you know, whatever. I, I, I really liked it. Because every Sunday, every Sunday when I went in Sunday school in that Assemblies of God Church, Sister Jones, the pastor's wife, always had one of those jumbo three musketeer bars at every one of our places. And I wanted me a three musketeers bar whether I got anything else or not. That was a good deal. That was a treat. The Jesus movement ended in around about 1971. Do you realize that's been 50 years ago? Nearly 50 years ago. 1971. Doesn't seem like too long to some of you all. My first car was a 1972 model car, and it was only six years old when I bought it. And it's a hot rod. Now my, uh, my, uh, my cousin's got it. I want to go see it. He's made a hot rod out of it. But 1971, the Jesus movement, that's been 50 years ago. You realize that's more than a generation ago? 1971, an era that's considered and is called the, the post-modern Christian era began in 1971-72. And, and I, I, I'm, I consider myself blessed 
to, to experience worship and church in the 1970s because it was the runoff of the Jesus movement was happening. And we, we saw an outbreak of, of charismatic worship, especially in the 70s and into the early 80s. But do you realize that re, we right now are getting prepared to go into the 20, the 20, actually the 20th year, even though it's 2021, it's the 20th year of the 21st century. Do you realize that? Do you realize how much time has elapsed? How much time has gotten by us church? Because we now have a generation of people come up. And listen, I'm not criticizing anyone because I was a pastor too for back in part of this time. I'm not criticizing anyone uh, in particular and anybody that had put forth ever. But we quit teaching Sunday school. We small. We tried small groups in houses and most of the time they failed. They didn't last long. And now we have have a generation of kids that come up behind us. We They now are young adults and young adults that are here this morning are watching. I want you to know we love you. We appreciate you and the church needs you and God wants you. But we have a group of young adults and, and people that came on, young people that came up with receiving no discipleship training. They weren't taught even the basics. They haven't learned anything. They got actually, most of them spent more time playing soccer than they did learning the Word of God. And soccer is good and it has its place. But now we have a generation before us that has been in Babylon and the only thing they have heard are the stories about the temple. And only and, and in, in some ways it makes literally no sense to them. It, they can't rationalize it. They can't figure it out. But I want you to know, I believe that God does and I believe He always has had a remnant. I believe he's getting ready to bring a revival among young adults. I believe he's bringing a revival among young people. I believe God is going to raise some people up to carry forth his church because his church will never collapse. It will never fail. And it is marching onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. I don't know if I don't run out of time or not. I don't try. I don't try to get this in. Nathan, I know why he's doing this now. It's hot. But here, there's throughout history. Listen, one of the best, I used to work in purchasing. I worked in purchasing a lot of years. And when I, when I did my forecasting and my planning, I, there's some, some commodities that I, that I actually was in charge of purchasing, gearing in particular. I would have to plan, forecast what I was going to buy two years ahead of time. I always was too, I, I lived in the state of for the most part of being two years, like right now, I would already be getting ready to go into 2023 if I were still working. Okay? So, but, but here's something I learned in that occupation. The best indicator of the future is the past. Okay? And in fact, the scripture teaches us that there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that has been will be. In, in some, in some capacity, in some form, in some fashion. 
So, so I, as I begin to look at the church and I begin to, I've been studying this book of Ezra, I, I, I realize there is a pattern of spiritual awakening that is reoccurring somewhere in that span of every 50 to 100 years. Now, I know that's quite a big span. I realize that's a full generation. That's a generation that could be sort of lost in there, if you would. But there is a reoccurrence of spiritual awakening in the New Testament church that has reoccurred about every 50 to 100 years. And in those patterns of an awakening, listen to me, here's what you find. Every pattern, every time of spiritual awakening, awakening, you will find that it was preceded by a season of great depression or spiritual oppression. Now, we don't like that. We don't like feeling depressed. We don't feel like... Feel like feeling oppressed. We don't like feeling that, that, that the whole world is on our shoulders or everybody's against us. Awakening is, is, is preceded by times of spiritual depression, apathy, and gross sin. Boy, that sounds like the United States of America right now. If, and you, we may not be in financial depression, but we're sure, certainly depressed and oppressed in many other ways. And we're full of apathy and we're full of gross sin. The first awakening, the first awakening that occurred, occurred, uh, the, the, the awakening that came, uh, uh, under Luther came with the oppression of alcohol abuse and slavery. The second awakening came through a time of, of negligence to assemble. The Azuzu outbreak. The third awakening arose out of a period of great social sin, sexual, sexual promiscuity, if you would. It came out of, it came out of a, a, a time of, of, uh, people were relaxed in their morals. The fourth awakening brought a shift from cultural Christianity, the Jesus movement into a personal relationship with Christ. But see, these awakenings are always traced back to one core thing. Prayer meetings. Awakenings are not only traced back to, 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 to following seasons of, of depression and oppression and anxiety, but awakenings follow prayer meetings. Prayer meetings. Now, is this calling a prayer meeting the answer to spiritual awakening? Not, not necessarily. Not that, uh, of course, they're good and they're great. And we've been up until COVID, we've been we've been having corporate prayer here for a number of years. But here's the thing about it: they're often not physically connected. Like churches were. Integrated. They weren't connected together. But if you trace back church history, you'll find that somebody on the West Coast was praying. Somebody that lives in an oppressed country on the other side of the world, they were praying. Somebody up north was praying. Somebody down south was praying. But God had people. Their hearts were moved and their hearts were stirred to prayer. And when God's people pray, you remember what the prophet said? He said, when my people pray, you remember that? Listen, when God's people pray... They will hear from heaven and he will begin to move and he will heal their land. Could it be, is it possible that right now that God is trying to push us and God is trying to nudge us. God is trying to bring us into a corporate uh, awareness of prayer. Maybe we're not linked together, although the world is flatter than it ever has been before through the means of social media and internet. But could it be that God is trying to raise his people up and move 
open their hearts to make the wave to move back into His presence. The second thing occurred in these awakenings is a raise, is a, uh, is an uprising of prophetic leadership. People that carry a word. People that carry a word for an hour. People that, people of influence that carry a word. And, and, and then the, the awakening of the body out of the believers out of sleep and slumber. I, I don't have time to go in. I, I knew I had too much here this morning. But here's what happens. Cyrus released the Jews. Now, it just wasn't Cyrus's idea. We read the scripture. God, God said, God, God said because, because of the words of Jeremiah the prophet, Cyrus is going to release the Jews to go back home. You see, and, and, and as much, as much and if God has willed for, for a, another awakening, another revival to come, as much as God, we, we know that there is going to be a remnant of the church, as much as we know that, let me tell you something, God has the means and God has set in place because He is omnipotent, He is omniscient, and, and, and because God knows exactly what He's doing. I, I believe, I don't believe in double predestiny, has, does the, uh, predestination, has, do the, the uh, some other denominations, but I do believe this, that God has a plan. It's called the Word of God, and it is outlined, and it is written down. And before it was ever written down on the pages of a book, or, 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 or written on a, a tablet of uh, made out of a, a, a animal skin or whatever it may be, or put on the dead sea, sea, sea scrolls. Let me tell you something. I believe before any of that occurred, God knew what His plan was and is, and it, that plan will be fulfilled in in His world because everything that is belongs to Him. And God will use us and use circumstances and will rise, raise us up in this hour to be the church. Cyrus sent the Jews back home. He was fulfilling the word of God that we read to you in verse 1. I had to, in my mind, I had to relate that to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we find the story of a, of a, of a young man that decided he wanted all that was coming to him. And in Luke chapter 15, we find that this, this young man went to his dad and he said, I want my part of the inheritance. I'm going to go my own way and I'm going to do my thing. And the dad blessed him with his inheritance. He sent him down the road. And as he went down the road, he, he, he wasted away all that he had. He even wasted his well-being. He wasted his life, if you would. And he found himself in the hog pen of life. And he wouldn't even, he, he found himself eating the husk. Do you know why he was eating the husk because we listen and I know this for a fact because we used to raise hogs some people say well we raise pigs now we raise hogs pigs are little bitty things hogs is a big one we raise hogs and let me tell you something I found out because we used to go buy corn out of the corn crib up at my cousin's house and I tell you what you can throw ear corn out to the hogs dry field corn out to the hogs they'll eat the corn off of that cob but they will not eat the cob and they will not eat the husk this boy was left to eat what the hogs wouldn't even eat. But one day, he came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, the man of the house gave him release to go back home. Maybe God's just wanting us to come to our senses. 
Maybe he wants us to realize, why am I eating this mess that the hogs won't even eat? Why am I eating this mess that the hogs won't even eat? He said, when I can go home and live better than this as a slave in my daddy's house. But you understand this, the daddy was, the daddy was at home. Jerusalem was waiting on the Jews. And he was just waiting for that son to come back. And Jerusalem, if you would, Judah, the, 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 the place of the temple, it was just waiting on the Jews to come back home. And God is just waiting on us. He's waiting on His church to come back home. He's waiting on us to, to, to leave the circumstance and to realize that we become dislocated, that, that, that we become unengaged with Him. And He's wanting us to, to, to not know, not any longer be Babylonian Jews, but He's wanting us to be children of God coming back to the homeland. So could the, could God be calling the church back home in 2020? I think so. Is there a call uh, for, for renewal that is happening among us right now? I think so. I go back to verse 5. Verse 5. It says that everyone whose heart was moved got to go back to Judah and Jerusalem in that first wave. In that first wave, the big wave, the big wave, everyone whose heart was moved, verse 5, is our heart moved to get back to God? Is our heart moved to get back into that place, that place, the temple place, the, the Jerusalem, Judah, the place of, and, and don't get hung up on buildings on me, okay? Don't get hung up on the building part. But, but what that is saying is, is get back to the holy place. Get back to the place of God's presence. To get out of the place of, well, I used to, or we used to, or fill in the blank. Are we, are we, are we moved to get back to, and to go back into the presence of God? I hope we are. I hope we are. I want to, because if, if we refuse to, let me tell you something. If we refuse to, it's, the outcome is not going to be in our favor. It's not going to be favorable to us. If, if we get used to, if we get, if the Jews had been so used to, listen, we, it's, it's not unusual. You know, they had been in the flesh pots of Egypt so long. They had been in Egypt so long. Once they got out in the desert, they were walking in the promise of God, the man of God, the presence of God was leading them. And, and they begin to grumble and complain. And they said, why didn't you just leave us in the, the flesh pots of, of Egypt? There was probably we I don't I can't say this that I can show you this in scripture, but there perhaps there were some Jews that said, Well, we're not going to go back to Jerusalem and Judah. Because the Bible says it's all the ones that God had moved upon their heart. Carrie, if you'll go back, please. So there's a decision to be made. We have to decide are we are we going to just continue to be used to the dark? Are we going to go back to Jerusalem and Judah? Let me read you this scripture. Proverbs chapter 6. 
It's found again, I think, in Proverbs 24, I believe it is. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9. Questions. Questions of wisdom. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit. And scarcity like an armed man. We, we can't afford, we can't afford to, to be used to the dark. We can't afford to be used to the dark. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we'll go through those tunnels and they'll have the lights for, you know, sometimes, and I realize, you know, it's, they, you know, this is what it is. Sometimes you can go through the tunnel. I don't know if they have the lights not fixed right in the tunnel or what, but you can pop out of the tunnel. And, and man, when you pop out, it's like it just kills your eyes. You can't handle. You almost have to close your eyes. You ever had that on railroad tunnels? You know, you go through. They're not even lit. And you back in the tunnel. You pop out of the tunnel, and then all of a sudden the light. Mike, did you ever have that in the mines where you, you know, I know the mines were lit, but you walk out of the mines into the bright daylight. It's it's all different. You see, if we get used to remaining in the dark, when we get out to the light, the light's going to be a little bit uncomfortable to us. Can you say Amen? The light will be a little bit uncomfortable to us. But I want to tell you, I don't know about you, but I don't live in no tunnel. I don't want to live in no coal mine underneath the mountainside. I want to live in the light. I want to dwell in the light. I want to be in the light of Jesus Christ. It may hurt my eyes. The preacher may hurt my feelings a little bit. And the Word of God may take, it may offend me just a little bit. But I want to be the light of Jesus Christ. I want to forsake the darkness and come into the light that He's designed for me to live in. And I want to inherit. I don't want to find myself in poverty. I don't want to find myself in lack. But I want to be in everything that God has intended for me to have. So in this year of great difficulty, I might should have saved this for the end of the year message. I might preach it again. Probably none of y'all don't remember it anyway. No, I'm just what did I preach on last week? Yeah. Lane said she wasn't here. You didn't watch it? You didn't watch Facebook Live on your... But here's the thing. In this year of all the oddity of this year, all of all of the bizarreness of this year, all of the stress of this year, all the anxiety of this year, whether you've been through what Frankie's family has been through or, or whatever whatever your family has been through, because whatever we've been through, that's the most important thing to us. Let me say this to you to, to this morning. I don't know why I keep calling it tonight, but let me say this to you this morning. Here's here's the thing. Whatever you have been through, whatever has caused you anxiety, whatever has caused you depression, whatever has caused you stress, whatever has weighed you down, whatever. Listen, don't don't look at it as being all negative. Don't embrace it as being the worst thing in the world. Somebody told somebody somebody said something. Uh, this and this came to me secondhand, but it came to Sarah firsthand. But somebody said that that they, they were actually angry at God because some of the stuff that's been going on. Let me tell you, get over your anger, get over your upsetness, get over your anxiety, get over your frustration, and let's allow God to take the circumstances that has at hand and 
bring you into great revival, into great awakening. Seek His face. Seek Him while He may be found. Humble yourself and pray and pour your heart out to God and get out of Babylonian captivity and head back to Judah. For there you find the presence of God. Forsake the darkness because when, and I purposely, I love this picture when I found it. I, I love this picture because it pictures what looks to be like a young man and he's walking out of a dark tunnel and he's walking into the bright light. And let me tell you, you can walk into the light of Jesus Christ and escape the darkness of your tunnel. But that is totally up to you. So don't find yourself sleeping and slumbering. Awaken out of your sleep and just indulge yourself in the light of Jesus Christ. You may have to squinch a little bit. You may have to put a song. He, his, his light is so bright you may have to put on your shades for a few minutes. Because, let me tell you something, when the Babylonians, Jews, got back to J- Jerusalem, Judea, I want to tell you it was totally different from what they had known. And even as believers, if we're believers, if we've been following afar off, when we get close to Jesus, it's going to be a little bit different, a different atmosphere. It's going to be different circumstances than it was when we followed afar off. For, for that boy that came home, when he, I, I, I always imagine this, I've told you this before, I think, but I always in my, in my, in my imagination, my mental, my mental portrait or picture is that this, this prodigal dad went out, I can see his house having a front porch, and I can see this prodigal dad going out every day and sitting in his rocking chair on his front porch, doing nothing else, getting up, wash his face, drink his coffee, eat his breakfast, go out, sit in his chair on the front porch until the sun goes down, just waiting, hoping and believing that his son is going to step back in, back across the sunset. He's going to see his son walking towards him. He did that day in and day out and and he did it persistently and suddenly one day he saw a silhouette. He saw just a small, a small fragment of what looked like a person walking down that dusty road and somehow in his heart he knew that that was his son coming and he ordered the calf killed and the party to be made ready and the new coat to God you said listen I, I tell you I don't have any hair on my head but it feels like it's standing up right now but I want to tell you something when God God is calling you home if you will start moving towards him he will make ready for you he is going to welcome you and it will be a celebration of a lifetime and let me tell you when he got to dad's house when he stepped up on the front porch where his daddy was standing up by this time, he'd got up out of that rocker and he's standing up waiting. This is my mental picture, okay? He's standing up. He's not doing this number. He's not doing this number. But dad's standing up like this. And suddenly, that young man realizes the vast difference between a hog pen and the front porch. Suddenly, suddenly, those Babylonian Jews, they discovered the difference between being in Babylonian exile and being in the place of promise, the place that God had made for them. You can experience that too. 
I'll be very frank with you. This message went a totally different way than I intended for it to go. But let me tell you something. God is calling you. Used to be an old song that said, come home, come home. God is calling you to come home. God's calling us back to the light. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. We praise, thank you Jesus for the Holy Spirit. We praise you for Him working among us. Our advocate, our helper, the convictor of our spirits. God, we thank you for the third man being at work this morning. Jesus, right now, Lord, that everything that's done and said as we continue from this point, be about your Holy Spirit being at work. Lord, may He speak to hearts and lives of people in this room, not only in this room, but somebody that may be watching, that may be in their living room, in their car, wherever they're at. God, you're moving and you're working. So today, by the work of your Holy Spirit, may the Word of God be manifest in some lives today. I want you to keep your heads bowed. I want to ask you a question right now. If you're in this room, you may you may consider yourself still a Christian. You may consider yourself that you are a believer, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But but you you've been in Babylon. You've been over at Babylon. You've been down the road. You've been over there where the where the guys raise the hogs, where the market's at. Doesn't mean that you went hog wild, but you get what I'm saying. I, I, Pastor, I still think I'm saved, but I'm just not walking close to the light. You're that person that everything is well, used to be. Used to be. I used to be full of the Spirit. I, I, I used to be. I used to be on fire for Jesus. I used to be dedicated to to the, my church and the things of God, to reading the Bible. I used to be. I if, if you if you're a used to be, you know, I, God's wanting to bring you to that place of, of I amness. He wants to bring you back to that place. If you're in this room right now, and that's you, I used to be. I need I need to get back to the light. I need to I need to get from Babylon back to Jerusalem, Judah. I I need to get from from the from from the hog pen down the road back to the front porch with my daddy. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're unsaved in this room, or if you're unsaved at home. And you, you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Then, then you need to come to the light. That's you. Is there anybody in this room that right now, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you specifically to come up here. Anything of that sort. Is there one person in this room say, pray for me that I will return. I will get back in the light where I know I need to be. Is there anybody at all before we continue? Thank you. Is there any others in this room? Thank you. Thank you. Any others? Are there any others? We've all been there. We've all strayed. We've all found ourselves over in Babylon at some time or another. We've all found... But thank God for a dad that sits on the front porch and patiently is expecting and anticipating on us coming home. Thank God. Thank God for the king. The king. The line of the tribe of Judah that's waiting for his church to come home. For, for the, 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 the physical temple to be built, but the temple to be occupied with His people. Thank God for that. Thank God that Jesus is wanting, wants you and I to remain at, at His feet, to sit before Him, to be in His light. Is there anybody else, real quickly, that would slip up a hand and say, Preacher, pray for me, real quick. 
This is what I want you to do right where you're at. I want you to stand to your feet. Everybody, everybody that can. Everybody that can, if you're able, stand to your feet. And we're going to pray. Listen, there was a number of hands went up in this room this morning. I'm trusting that there's a number of hands went up on Facebook Live. I trust that there's hands that went up by the virtue of listening to EV radio this morning. And I want us right now as believers, I want us to pray that in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of violence, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of pandemic and disease, political unrest, in the midst of all this, God is bringing people back into the light. You know what, by raise, those of you that raised your hand this morning in this room, or those of you watching, those of you that raised your hand, I, I will call you verse 5 people. Because the verse 5 people are the people that it says everyone whose heart God had moved. Because you didn't raise your hand for any reason. God is moving in your heart. And as much as He's moved you in your heart, He's making the way for you to go back home. So right now, I want us to pray for one another. Father, as we assemble in this place, we realize, Lord, our circumstances, Lord God, are very, have been seemingly so strained this year. God, there's men, there's women, there's boys and girls in this house today, Jesus, that, Lord, that, that need you. We all need you, Lord. There's not one of us in this room that is exempt from needing you. But God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that have raised their hand in this place this morning. By, by, Lord, by faith, I believe there's some that have watched this morning by, uh, by internet. There's some that have listened by internet this morning. There may, they maybe they'll listen later in the week to this message. Whatever this message is heard, the words are heard. I pray that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will begin to convict and draw people. And Lord Jesus, we pray that right now, Lord, as people are moved in their spirit, Lord, that they will begin to return to their place of promise. They will begin to return to the homeland. They will make that track from Babylon down to Jerusalem, Judah. Lord, right now, I pray for those especially in this room that raise their hand, Lord, as evidence, Lord. We believe your Holy Spirit is dealing with their heart. Bring them to that place, Lord. Lord, let their hearts be hungry for prayer. Let their hearts be hungry for relationship. Let them see you. Let them feel your embrace. Let them know, Lord God, that you are moving and working in their life. And you have nothing, nothing, nothing more and nothing less than their best interests at heart because you love them so, so, so very much. And God, you've got a robe. The calf has been made ready. And Lord, you're ready to start the celebration. God, as we rededicate and recommit our lives to you, Jesus, we pray and we uphold all of those, Lord, that have made, Lord, that have made, Lord God, their hearts, thoughts and intentions and their circumstances known, Lord. We agree with them in faith. God, I can't fix it for them. I can't do it for them. We realize that's a, that's only a circumstance that, that you and, and that person can accomplish. So as each individual, Lord, we, we stand in faith with them. But Lord, we're just believing, Lord, that they're going to draw close to you. And Lord, I find, I, I, I declare your word over every hand that was raised in this place this morning. That as we draw closer to you, you will draw closer to us. 
God, we will meet, they will meet you. Every one of us will meet you double time. And God, you will renew us and you will bring awakening into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.